Mega yachts are for show-offs. The Puritans wouldn't approve, and apparently neither does Taylor Swift. Emblems of America's relationship with wealth, now hopelessly distorted. Me being a cranky old white dude, Taylor Swift probably isn't thinking of Loose Cannon when she's performing on stage. But I was thinking of her recently, and I decided I was a fan, not so much because of her songs, which are undoubtedly worthy of all the girly adulation. I like Taylor Swift because she makes good choices. Mainly I admire Swift because she's accumulated extraordinary wealth and yet has shown no inclination toward ownership of a super yacht, a mega yacht, or, Lord help us, a gig yacht. She's been a renter, not a buyer. There's a huge difference. I grew up in a New England town that was founded by Puritans. The guys with the pilgrim hats that frowned on sex and reminded everyone that hellfire and damnation was just around the corner. Heck, I was once reprimanded for washing my motorcycle on a Sunday morning because the people on their way to church would be offended by my indifference to the Sabbath. No kidding. Circa 1971. Down through the centuries, the Puritan world shaped America. That's just a fact. While we were gradually evolving away from the sexually repressive notions of the Puritans, their eponymous work ethic and the prowess of their merchant fleets propel us to become the wealthy nation that we are today. If God wants us to get rich, they asked, who are we to disagree? It has taken me 60 years to figure it out. But there's an aspect of Puritan values that we have completely abandoned, and it's a goddamn shame that we have, and it has everything to do with super yachts, mega yachts, and giga yachts. Accumulate all the golden Babylon if you want, but thou shalt not show off, the elders of Massachusetts once preached. Later, the rich men of the Gilded Age had yachts. Many of them had the skills to sail their own boats, however. Sailing was still a way of connecting to nature, not just demonstrating their social superiority. Ridiculous. For affirmation of how vulgar our American oligarchs have become, look no further than the headlines and prose of Rob Report, chronicler of luxury goods. Being interested in boats, I am regularly notified of their latest puffery. Some of it is truly gag-inducing stuff. To wit, this new 300-foot megayacht aims to bring modern Mediterranean living to the high seas. Quote, At the heart of the concept is the Agora. Named after a gathering place in ancient Greek villages, this open main deck acts as a spot for seafarers to congregate and enjoy their surroundings. With only a monumental staircase and a few pieces of statement furniture, the Agora can be adapted to suit any occasion, from open-air soirees to art shows to movie nights. And the only thing lacking would be robot goats pooping rubies. Seafarers, my ass. Headline. This fiery new 230-foot superyacht concept was designed to look like a giant flame. Quote. Fittingly christened flame, the 230-footer features sleek, angular lines and a sharp tapered bow that evokes an arrowhead. Now what do you know? It's a boat that's pointy in the front. 
Headline, Fat Yacht? This 180-foot explorer goes extra wide so you can lounge in spacious comfort. Quote, The studio decided to add extra width amidships rather than expand the side decks. As a result, the living quarters remain relatively unchanged, but offer more room for dining and socializing, of course. There is a freer flow of movement on board, too, with sliding glass doors connecting the main saloon to the aft deck and with an eight-foot plunge pool. What does any of that even mean? Except apparently she's got a pool and doors that open so you can go through them. Headline. Seven super yachts with wine cellars that would make everyone in Napa jealous. Unlike larders on land, yachts are vulnerable to mechanical failure, including water damage from burst pipes, as well as the pitch of rough waves. Plus, the demands depend on geography. The climate required to preserve a Chateau Margaux when sailing around Sardinia is different than in Scandinavia. The risk hasn't prevented superyacht owners from creating bespoke wine cellars brimming with their best bottles. Bespoke is the post-pandemic yacht sales buzzword. Never mind what it means. It's not directed at that segment of the cruising world that stows its two-buck chuck in the bilge. Headline. This insane jet-powered superyacht has an interior so ornate it would make Liberace blush. The Kawaii team created an Alice in Wonderland effect where every room teeters on the edge of fantasy. Walls and handrails are covered in dimpled stingray skin. Toilets are wrapped in crocodile and alligator hides, and drawers are decorated with the epidermis of venomous cobras, coverings that give new meaning to the word bespoke. Here we go again with the bespoke crap. Please stop. My first stirrings of partial Puritan awakening came during our adventures in the Middle East. As I toiled in the marine industry as a magazine editor, I had to keep silent in disgust. I resented those people who thought nothing of battling fish for fun from a vessel that burned 200 gallons of fuel an hour underway when ordinary soldiers and marines were being killed in actual battles, which, let's face it, were all about oil. You don't have to be all that socially aware to know that it's unseemly to party while your neighbor's house is burning down. They obviously did not give it a second thought. I do not like them. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, the construction, maintenance, and servicing of huge sport fishing vessels and mega yachts means good jobs for a huge swath of ordinary people. I certainly do not question the motivations of people who build or serve as crew on these big shiny things that burn enough fossil fuel to heat Canada, just their customers. The argument is a red herring anyway. It assumes that if the super-rich behave modestly, eschewing the ostentatious public display of wealth, skilled people would starve. Let's omit the Arab princes and Russian mafia bosses from the discussion and focus on our homegrown bespoke folk. Most mega-yacht buyers are on or aspire to the Forbes 400 list of the super-rich. The magazine Counterpunch took a look at big yacht owners in terms of charitable giving. Quote, The absolutely appalling result of these calculations, 
Some two-thirds of America's 400 richest have given away less than 5% of their prodigious fortunes to charities. Out of this top 400, only 11 have given away more than 20% of their fortunes. And the richer the billionaire, the less of the fortunes they shell out. Writing about our first settlers, Professor Andrew Wood mused about the Puritan attitude toward wealth and philanthropy expressed in the sermons of John Winthrop, who served as governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony from 1629 to 49. Quote, Winthrop concludes that excessive wealth leads our hearts away from God and toward the sin of pride and its social ramification, disregard for social needs. A person's individual wealth is redefined as part of a symbolic storehouse for the common good. Members of a society united by love, which to Winthrop is the ever-present deity, must be willing to sacrifice each to the other, even if that sacrifice must include their wealth or their lives. Taylor Swift may be the first person to become a billionaire based solely on her music business. And although she owns a couple private aircraft, it doesn't appear to be for show. Swift is a prodigious giver to charities and has a reputation for sharing her wealth with the people that work for her. For sure, Winthrop and his Puritan brethren would find Swift's costumery highly troublesome, as in, that wench is going to hell. But if they could see past that, those guys would surely admire her work ethic, her ability to accumulate wealth, and the righteousness of how she spends and doesn't spend it. <laughs>